I'm Kavi Cardos, and this is SEO in 2024. Kavi, what's your number one SEO tip for 2024? My tip is to follow Google's lead and adopt a renewed focus on EEAT, which stands for Experience, Expertise, Authority, and Trust in 2024. <laughs> we haven't heard we haven't heard the end of uh, EEAT yet. No, definitely not. Okay, so why is it so important for 2024? Yeah, so Google has really already started emphasizing um, EEAT in its own recent messaging that they direct at site owners, and I think that suggests that they're predicting sort of a corrective pendulum swing back away from this recent swell in AI-generated content back towards a preference for user-generated content. Not that we'll stop using AI to, you know, create content or augment our content, but I think they're accurately predicting that people are going to have more of a thirst for user-generated content with uh, the growth of all of the AI stuff that we start seeing in search results. So organizations really need to be prepared for that swing to happen as well. Great. Okay. So just before we dive a little bit deeper into how we augment or eat for 2024, you mentioned AI. So what are the good ways of using, what are the useful ways of using AI within content in 2024? Yeah. So I'll touch on this just a little bit later as well, but um, I think that it's really important to have a process for getting AI to give you the output that you're actually looking for. And that often means, you know, just knowing what the right input is to give to uh, ChatGPT or whatever tool it is that you're using. So just, you know, hitting copy and paste on the, the content that it spits out for you and then hitting publish sort of automatically without taking the time to refine your prompts and know exactly uh, how you should be talking to those models is, is really important. And do you have any tips in terms of what to include in the, those prompts? Yeah, so um, we do a lot of this work at Uproar and uh, asking sort of the the right questions up front and letting the model know exactly who the audience is and what the content is going to be used for is often really important. That helps to sort of revi- refine the uh, voice and tone that it will use in what it spits back out to you. If you don't do something like that, it sort of uses this generic tone that doesn't sound like it matches your brand doesn't sound like it's authentic, you know, like it's a human that's writing it. But if you sort of feed it a little bit more information up front, that tends to help uh, sort of tweak it more closely to what your users actually need. Superb. Okay. And going back to EAT, um, one of the reasons why greater emphasis is being put on that is because of Google's relatively recent announcement of perspectives. The perspectives idea, I think, is really interesting. We haven't quite seen exactly how it's going to play out in its sort of final form just yet. But just the fact that they've introduced that uh, to, you know, a new kind of search result suggests, like I said, that they are really predicting people are going to be clicking around and looking for human perspectives, user generated content, um, content from subject matter experts and not just what you see in those generic search results. And of course, we don't know if the SGE experience is going to play out exactly as it looks today either. But I think especially if it does, we will see more people clicking through to those perspectives results as opposed to just being satisfied with what's on that first page. Yeah, it's a neat way of perhaps keeping people in the SERP. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what they're after (laughs) ultimately. (laughs) So I'm sure we'll see plenty of that. So um, do you have any thoughts on the type of videos or other content that would classify as being appealing to Google when it comes to 
incorporating them as part of the perspectives results. Yeah, and I think video, you you mentioned video specifically. I think that's a really important point is that it's not just textual content that we're talking about here. It's, you know, short form videos, especially, and even like longer videos of the type that you'll see on YouTube and that kind of thing. When we're learning how to write in school, we're told, you know, don't talk in the first person and make sure that you follow this sort of standard set of rules in in writing about uh, whatever your topic is. And I think that now we need to start thinking a little bit opposite of that and not be afraid to speak in the first person to say, my experience is this. This is why I am qualified to talk about this. And especially in videos, you know, sounding like you're talking to a person, like you're advising a friend on whatever the topic is, rather than saying sort of more generically, you know, this is true, X, Y, Z, just talking Talking like you're talking to a friend, I think, is it's going to come across more authentic and I think it'll be rewarded in search results as well. You mentioned the phrase short form video and you're talking about talking to a friend. I mean, I associate those types of videos as vertical videos. Uh, are you imagining vertical videos? I am. Yeah. And when I've I've played around with perspectives a little bit, not as much as I should probably, but I've seen a lot of that. And uh I mean, I think they're sort of, to some extent, looking at perspectives as a, a competitor for TikTok. So because Google sees so much of its traffic being pulled uh, away by TikTok right now, I think they're thinking that that sort of short form vertical video is the, the best way to compete with what people are used to seeing on that platform instead. So is this a new form of content that content marketers, that thought leaders should be publishing? Or is it um, content that they're possibly already publishing if they're embracing Instagram or, or TikTok or other platforms like that? Yeah. So like you said, I think it's going to be new to some people. I think if if a brand is already set up with a solid, you know, TikTok strategy, Instagram strategy, that type of stuff, they're probably already doing stuff that looks quite a bit like this. But brands that have sort of stayed away from TikTok and, and Instagram to this point might have a harder time adopting that that format. And again, speaking in that way, you know, the more sort of casual, friendly way of of uh, approaching your audience probably doesn't feel natural to a lot of brands. But at least for some where it makes sense for the brand, it is going to be really valuable. So what if a brand has a fairly long sales cycle and they've got a fairly comprehensive concept marketing strategy and they've um, imagined every single touch point on the user journey as um, uh, applying a different type of content to that. Where in the user journey and what type of content maybe comes before and after these sorts of short form videos? So if we're talking about like a someone who's selling an actual product, so say an e-commerce website, for example, I think the the type of content that comes from the brand itself and in the form of, you know, short form video or text that sort of demonstrates a little bit more of that um, authority coming from the brand itself is probably more useful at the top of the funnel where people are starting to learn about the thing that they're going to eventually buy. Less once you get down to the, the nitty gritty of, OK, I'm actually going to hit add to cart and make my purchase. When you get to that point, I think incorporating more user generated. so in that case, customer-generated content is even more useful. So encouraging comments, encouraging reviews, that sort of thing. We already know that Google is training some of their own models on reviews at this point. So they're obviously taking a much harder look at, at user-generated reviews and considering those to be even more valuable than they did before. And is it useful for brands to reach out to users to actually to try and incorporate users within their own content, content on their own website as well? Or are you 
primarily actually talking about this as if um, users talking about the brand, but on their own social platforms? Yeah, I think it's I think it's both. But um, I think if a brand can find a way to uh, incorporate user voices into their actual on-site, you know, housed content, that's a really interesting thing that I think we'll start seeing more of as well. A lot of brands aren't doing that right now. But again, that just demonstrates more authority, more trust uh, from from users in that brand and in that uh, that product, whatever it is. So, yeah. Pushing that to your own in-house platforms, I think, makes a lot of sense as well. Superb. Okay. And um, in terms of what this means for SEO, I would imagine that SEOs are going to have to work a lot more closely with social media departments as well. Um, so, so what does that mean in terms of how they work together, what SEOs might have to do more differently, and I guess how SEOs can measure their, their value moving forward as well if it's not so conventional in what they're doing? Yeah. So that's one of the most exciting things about this sort of shift to me is that I think it's going to naturally lead us into uh, less siloing of marketing departments and more uh, cross cross department work. And I've always advocated for, you know, talk to your customer service representatives about what kinds of things customers are asking about and how you can solve those paid points using content or using SEO. And I think we're going to start seeing more of that on the social media side now, too. So SEOs going to the social media uh, directors and saying, you know, what are people talking about when it comes to our brand on uh, Instagram, on TikTok, on Reddit right now? And how can we sort of use that conversation that already exists outside of our control, bring it within our own control and sort of own that messaging and encourage users to contribute to it, too? I guess the... The struggle is probably who owns that as part of the marketing, because, I mean, as you say, traditionally, there have been silos um, within large marketing departments um, and traditionally social media departments have owned this. Um, Is it fair and reasonable to ask social media managers to give up some of that responsibility? I don't think it's so much giving up responsibility as just sharing information. You know, social media managers, I think, can go about doing the job that they're doing, but then passing off what they've learned and passing off the the content ideas and that sort of stuff to the SEOs and to the content creators. So I'm, I'm not sure it creates a much different division of labor, but sort of more collaborative work that we get to do together, which I think is really exciting. So... How does this interplay with search generative experience? Do you imagine that um, Google are going to be delivering AI-powered results, but at the same time incorporating perspectives and an opportunity to to stay on the SERP from there? Yeah, it it sort of looks that way right now. And again, I I don't know if you know once SGA is fully rolled out, if it's going to look exactly like it looks right now, because they're certainly getting a lot of negative feedback on it at this point. I've heard quite a bit of chatter, you know, around the SEO universe that SG is sort of useless and is just kind of scraping results from or language from the top few results and that's it. So what's the point when you can just scroll down and see the same thing, you know, a few results down? So yeah, it, it, whether it rolls out the way that it looks now, I think is still in question, but we are going to have some version of AI generated uh, results in our SERPs coming pretty soon. And perspectives it looks like is going to live sort of, you know, in that top bar alongside your videos and your shopping and your images and that sort of thing. So I think we see some users 
using both. And I think we see some users sort of opting more for one or the other. I'm skipping the whole SGE experience because I don't like it. I'm going to go straight to perspectives and see what real people are saying about this topic instead. So what would you say to an SEO maybe just getting started in the industry today? Is it still necessary to learn all the traditional aspects of SEO or is there going to be some hybrid role or new role that is going to exist that doesn't require all the traditional SEO knowledge? I think that we're we're still going to need to rely on a lot of the SEO basics. Um, and I'm seeing, you know, in the blogs and at conferences and on podcasts and stuff like that right now, people sort of encouraging this back to basics SEO at the same time as all of these new things are happening. I think that makes a lot of sense. Technical SEO, for example, probably isn't going to change very much. You're still going to need to do all of the things to make your site, you know, keep your site in good shape that you have to do now. So still knowing, uh, you know, crawling, indexing, all that stuff is is probably never going to change. But we can now use uh, ChatGPT to help us <laughs> write some of those tasks and sort of make them go faster, which is nice. But yeah, in terms of like still creating genuinely helpful content that is written for users. That's sort of the basic gist of SEO and always has been. And I really don't think that's going to change. I think if anything, we're seeing uh, more of a focus on that. For people who are new to the industry, I think this is a really great time to be getting into SEO because it's you're coming in with a fresh perspective. You're not necessarily bogged down by the sort of old school, you know, focus on your title tags and your meta description style of thinking and instead can bring this this sort of fresh pair of eyes to to what we're doing. And especially with younger people who are more used to, you know, TikTok and that sort of exchange that goes on on social media platforms these days, I think that perspective is also going to be really helpful to this new new era of SEO. Yes, absolutely. And going, going back to what you previously said as well, it's going to be essential, I think, for SEOs not to be siloed so much in the future. Exactly. Because, right. yeah, with with perspectives, I... I, I perspectives. <laughs> That's not quite so easy to say as perspective. It doesn't roll off the tongue. <laughs> it doesn't, no, but uh, I, 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 I was going to say that perhaps Google is uh, renowned for um, starting brands that don't necessarily roll off the tongue. They but, are, uh, aren't they? <laughs> They're pretty good at that. But uh, no, I, I was just going to say that um, you can imagine them perhaps bringing some kind of paid advertising opportunity into perspectives if that rolled out because LinkedIn have brought in thought leader ads relatively mm-hmm. recently as well. Um, and hence the, the importance for SEO is just to be aware of other opportunities that um, can capture customers at that point and perhaps give them some data points, some opportunities to test the level of traffic and conversions out there for keywords or audience targeting opportunities that they may want to target organically in the future. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, in in perspectives, when you think about putting paid ads into perspectives, especially, it seems a bit counterintuitive to what they claim to be doing with that feature. But they've got to make money somehow. So I'm still really curious to see uh, how the paid side of things is going to be incorporated into both perspectives and the the SGA experience too. Yeah, it's a, it's a hypothetical <laughs> possibility, but uh, you'd imagine it would be a possibility. Yeah, I, th- I think it has to be. <laughs> <laughs> if an SEO is struggling for time, what should they stop doing right now so they can spend more time doing what you suggest in 2024? So uh, I'm not sure this is a time saver necessarily, but I think that 
right now what we're seeing too much of is uh, relying on AI-generated content without human intervention. So I mentioned this a bit earlier, but you know we've seen GPT-4 and other large language models come a really long way in terms of creating fairly good content at this point. But you can't just hit copy and paste and publish, like I was saying earlier. You've, you've got to sort of interact a little bit more. I think that we spend a lot of time at this point getting to know how to use AI tools and then not using them properly. And right now, I still think that uh, ChatGPT's best use, for example, is sort of automating the really time-consuming SEO tasks. So I think we should be focusing more on that and learning how to use them for more technical, more, you know, the tedious stuff that you've been doing in spreadsheets for the past five years, rather than figuring out what you want to get, what content you want to get out of it, and then prompting it the wrong way and sending that off to your client or off to your publisher and not not really putting the thought that's required into making it good and authentic. Abby Cardos is Director of SEO at Uproar, and you can find her over at uproar.com, that's spelled U-P-R-O-E-R.com. Kavi, thanks so much for being part of SEO in 2024. Thanks so much for having me. I've been your host, David Bain. Get your copy of SEO in 2024, the book, over at SEOin2024.com. <laughs>